Bob Dylan once said, an audience doesn't come to a concert to find out what the musician feels. They come to find out what they feel. I wonder if that's even more true uh, about church, that we don't come to church to find out what the guy up front believes. We come to find out what we believe. So if that is true, then the Easter question for all of us is not so much has he risen indeed, but what does his rising mean for me? St. Peter was one of the eyewitnesses who first saw Jesus risen from the dead. And he would later say this in Acts chapter 15, verse 11. We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Now, what Peter is saying is that there's no way you and I can become who we were meant to be without grace. This was a lesson that Peter would learn the hard way. Let's read about this incident in Peter's life. Um, I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34, if you have a Bible handy or can navigate to a second screen. We're going to put the words on the screen, but one of the things we haven't been able to do uh, since we've been distant from one another is stand and read God's word out loud together. But I want to invite you this Easter Sunday to do that. Stand as an act of reverence and read aloud with me as an act of worship. And when we're done reading this passage, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, so that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Listen carefully. You're reading God's holy word. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. If you stood up, please be seated. The question we ask ourselves this Easter Sunday is, what do I believe about grace? About grace. Peter here in this uh, incident is wrestling at a time of great uncertainty. It's like us. Have you noticed the uncertainty uh, today? I'm getting all these emails from people that have the same phrase in them. They all say something, 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 something in these uncertain times. In these uncertain times. I'm not sure where we're getting that phrase. But I, it's so stock now because we're all using it. What I realize is that the real pathogen in our society at the moment isn't just a virus. It's actually uncertainty. We're uncertain about our health, uncertain about our schools, uncertain about our jobs, uncertain about our retirement accounts. We're asking ourselves how many people will get sick. It's uncertain. How long will this last? Uncertain. What will life be like afterwards? Uncertain. I'm hearing people talk about an age of uncertainty. I'm thinking, an age? What do you mean? April? It's only been a few weeks, and yet it feels like an age. Feels like everything's changed, like everything's up for grabs. Here's the question when we face uncertainty. It's not just what will happen. It's who will I be? 
who will I be? This is a question that the Pulitzer Prize winning author Geraldine Brooks reflected on recently as she's being interviewed by NPR. She says it's a question for all of us. Will I be my best self, she asks, or will I become a selfish monster? Will I be the person pushing my neighbor away to grab the last roll of toilet paper? Who will I be? When the great uncertainty of life pushes me face to face with my primal fear, this is the hardest of all questions to answer. Who will I be? Simon, Simon, listen, Jesus says. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. And Peter's going nuts. He's going, what? What's that mean? What's next? What's about to happen? And you know, this is the night of Jesus's betrayal. Judas has left the room. A mob is forming across town. They're coming with swords and torches, soldiers. What's about to happen next will change everything for everyone. And Peter's here asking, who will I be? Oh, he's got his ideas. Jesus, I'm your guy. I'm on your team. You can count on me. I am ready. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Prison, yep. Death, yep. You can count on me. These are big promises. These are great aspirations. Peter hopes to become someone great. But uncertainty will sift Peter. That's the image that Jesus uses as he speaks to him. A sieve. A sieve is something that they would have held in their hands and you put the weed inside of it and then you shake it really hard side to side. You, you do it to find out what's actually there, to find the substance. And Jesus is saying, Peter, we're about to find out if there's any substance to your words. We're about to find out if there's any substance to your life. But follow Jesus. Notice what he does next. He doesn't take away the uncertainty for Peter. Wish he would. He doesn't insulate Peter from the coming crisis. He doesn't give him a set of instructions to guide him through. He doesn't give him answers to his questions. There's no sermon. There's no pep talk. No, he's very realistic. You will be shaken. He's not minimizing anything. What does Jesus do? Jesus holds Peter in grace. He holds him in grace. Oh, yes, he says, Satan will sift you. But listen to what he says. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Now, Peter's probably saying, yeah, 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 me too. I, I pray, pray all the time. I prayed for tonight. I'm hoping for the best. Let's hope things work out well. You can count on me. I'm your guy. And Jesus is saying, no, Peter, this is not about how you get through this crisis. This is about how I get you through this crisis. This isn't about what you're going to do. This is about what I have done. I have prayed. And this prayer of Jesus is a very unique prayer. This is God the Son speaking to God the Father about Peter. I have prayed for you. This is God the Son holding Peter up to the Father saying, this one's ours. Peter, the soldiers will come, and I will hold you before the Father. Peter, you'll turn away, and I'll be holding you before the Father. 
Peter, you'll deny you ever knew me and I'll be holding you up before the Father. Peter, the cock will crow and I'll be holding you before the Father. Peter, your tears will flow and I'll be holding you before the Father and I will meet you on the other side. This is grace. Jesus holds Peter in grace. This much is certain in uncertain times, God's grace. You say, well, George, what is grace? Well, what is grace? Grace is the decisive act of God's love, doing for us what we, cannot, what we do not deserve and cannot do for ourselves. The decisive act of God's love, doing for us what we do not deserve and cannot do for ourselves. And note the certainty of it in Jesus' voice. We see in verse 32, he uses the phrase, when once. These are my two favorite words in this whole passage. When once. Notice he doesn't say, if then. Not if you turn back, then. But when once you have turned. He, he, he's saying, Peter, here, here's what's certain. In everything that's about to happen, I will hold you all the way through. I will see you on the other side. This is the word of grace that God has for us even before we sin. I forgive you. He's not hoping we won't sin. He knows we will. This is the one thing that's certain for Peter. He says, you will deny me three times. And he says, I forgive you even before it happens. How many times must we forgive? Peter has asked this question days earlier. And Jesus had said, seven times 70, which is a Hebrew expression for infinity. Because Peter, this is how many times I will forgive you infinitely. You can count on that. It's a word of grace. Jesus holds Peter in grace. But notice his faith matters, Peter's. It's faith in this grace that allows Peter to become who he's meant to be. Let's think about this for a moment. N Notice Peter has two names, Simon, Simon. Jesus starts in at the beginning of the scene. That's the name Simon received when he was born. His parents gave him the name Simon. It's as though Jesus is reminding him who he used to be. But then at the end, it's Peter. Jesus says, Peter. This is the name that Jesus gives him. This is the name that describes who Peter is meant to be. It's who he's becoming. Peter, Petros, rock, that's what it means. This is who Peter's meant to be, a rock, solid, a man of substance, a man with something solid in uncertain times, a man who's immovable when he comes face to face, even with his primal fears. A man of substance when life shifts everything else away. Where does the substance come from? His faith in grace. Notice it's in the prayer. Jesus has not said, uh, I have prayed for you that you may not fail. No. He knows Peter's going to fail. Jesus isn't praying that Peter won't fail. Tells him, you're going to fail three times. No, that's not the prayer. The prayer is, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I pray that your faith may not fail. Well, well, wait a minute. What's the difference? There's a big difference 
Failure is failure. But faith is knowing what to do with your failure. Jesus knows that Peter is going to fail when that rooster crows. He will have failed him three times. The question is, what happens after the failure, after the rooster crows? See, if Peter has no faith, ultimately, he'll be devastated by his failure. He'll be crushed. But if he has faith in grace, he'll come through. Because Jesus prayed for him. Because he believes the promise of that prayer. I have prayed for you. I'm holding you up before the Father. When once you have returned. This is grace. And grace is the good word of God. The decisive act of God's love. And this grace is the good news that you and I are never defined by our failure. We're never trapped by our past. We're always open to a new future. This is what Easter Sunday is all about. And it's this that will allow Peter to get up again and go for it, to keep becoming the person that God has designed him to be. Grace empowers Peter to become. It's grace that allows him to become a rock. It's grace that gives him the substance in the sieve when the world is shaking. It's what makes his life solid in uncertain times. And, by the way, it's his faith in God's grace that will make him indispensable to the people around him. When once you turn back, Jesus says, strengthen your brothers. Not with tales of how faithful you've been, but with a report of how faithful I have been to you in my grace. Strengthen them, not with your moral example. Strengthen them with the promise of my grace. Friends, I've come this Easter Sunday to share with you that same report. I'm not here to tell you how faithful I've been, but how faithful Jesus is. And I'm really grateful for who I've become and who I'm becoming. And if I could tell you in a word how it happened, I would tell you the same word, grace. Grace. Maybe hard for you to believe that if you've only seen me as the guy up front in church. But truthfully, I live so much of my life in the distant country where the rooster crows. I was not born a minister. I was uh, not born a Christian. I was raised in a secular home by wonderful but secular parents. I'm the first Hinman male in four generations not to become a lawyer. I'm grateful that my sister Sarah in this current generation has become a lawyer. But over the years, I've been shaken. I've been shaken by life. In my studies, I've been shaken in the hospital. I've been shaken by financial strain. I've been shaken by family crisis. I've been shaken by death. I've been shaken most of all in all of that by my own surprising but unrelenting inclination to live as a selfish monster, to borrow the phrase from Geraldine Brooks. But here's what made the difference for me, the grace of Jesus Christ. As a young man, I heard this same report. Someone shared with me a report of God's faithfulness and grace in Jesus Christ. And I said yes. And that one decision has changed my life, and he is changing it still. Thomas Merton wrote, A saint is not someone who is good, but someone who experiences the goodness of God. 
You see, what Peter, what Jesus offers Peter isn't just for Peter. It's for me and for you. If Bob Dylan is right, you're already thinking about yourself. You're already thinking about what these uncertain times mean to you, what they will reveal about you, about who you're becoming. You didn't come here today to find out what I believe. You're watching this live stream because you want to know what you believe. And I can't convince you. I'm not trying to make an argument here. You have to do your own thinking. You have to make your own decision. Everybody does. Even not making a decision is a decision. But here's what I will say. I don't believe you're here by accident. I believe that God is speaking to you right now. Because the conversation between Jesus and Peter is not just for them. We see this conversation running through the entire Bible. It's the conversation that God is having with everybody who became great. Just think of some of the heroes of the scriptures, Abraham, Rebecca, Moses, Rahab, David, Mary Magdalene, Paul. They were all full of sin, deception, murder, adultery. They didn't become great because they were good. They became great because God said to them, I'm holding you in my grace. And they said, yes, they had faith in God's grace. This conversation that Jesus has with Peter is the conversation that he's having with me and with you today. Think about what we're celebrating. This is Easter Sunday. Oh, the joy of this celebration. For the past six weeks, we've been meditating on the meaning of the cross, this grim symbol of our faith. It's a beautiful symbol. And here on Easter Sunday, we finally find the, the meaning. Here it is, in the prayer of Jesus, enacted, effected, answered in the resurrection. God the Son speaking to God the Father about us. Father, Jesus says, I have taken a hold of their humanity. I held it firm through their sin, held it firm through the judgment of the cross, held it firm through death. I've held them through the darkness and devastation of hell itself. And then on the third day, I got up to meet them on the other side. Father, it was their sin that took me down, but it's your grace that got me up. And now I lift them up to you and I say, this one's ours. This one's ours. She's ours. He's ours. This one, that one, you. Think about the grace of God on Easter Sunday. This is the grace we all need. It's God's grace that holds us firm and promises us that we are, to promises to make us who we're meant to be in this life and in the next. Jesus himself said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he adds, do you believe this? I believe he puts that question to each of us this Easter Sunday. I'm going to give you an answer, an opportunity to answer that question now. 
And I want you to know this, whether you say yes or no, it won't change the fact of God's grace about you. He still holds you. But whether you say yes or no determines whether that fact will have any impact on your life or not. Jesus, remember, prays about Peter that his faith would not fail because he knows it's important for us to have faith if his grace is going to make a difference. Jesus, I believe, to each of us today is saying, I'm inviting you to take a step of faith, to say yes to me. I've got you, but I need you to entrust yourself to me. Now, you might say, you know, George, I'm not sure I can do that right now, and that's okay. But what I would do is I would encourage you to study and to pray about making this decision. Because when the great uncertainties of life, nothing will matter more than your decision about God's grace in Jesus Christ. Or you might say this Easter Sunday, you know, I might be crazy, but this thing rings true. Maybe you've been coming to church for decades. Maybe this is your first time hearing this message, but it's just ringing true. And you're saying, it's not like I want to be added to the list of the 12 most religious people in our town. But God, I know my need. And I have lots of questions, but there's no one I'd rather trust myself to, my life to, than the one who died for me and rose for me. To say yes to this invitation is to receive God's forgiveness once and for all. To say yes is to receive the promise of eternal life. That no matter what, we will see him on the other side. That we will receive his embrace. To say yes is to be born again to a living hope. To say yes is to be eternally secure in the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, in the end, Peter's faith didn't fail, did it? Some weeks later, he would be with a group of people. And he would urge them to take this same step of faith. In Acts 15, 11, we read, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're ready to make this decision for yourself today, and I hope you are, I'm going to encourage you to do two things. First of all, I'd like you to go to upc.org slash Jesus. Read the page that's there and then send an email. I'd also like you to pray this prayer with me, our closing prayer. And I would invite you as a way of responding to, to hold out your hands like this. You close your eyes and bow your head, but hold your hands open as a way of signifying to yourself and to Jesus that you are making this decision today, that you are ready to receive his grace, and that you're offering him your life. Remember, Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So let's acknowledge him together, shall we? Let's pray. I'm going to pray as you bow your head and pray a line and invite you, if you believe it, to pray it in your heart to the Lord. Dear God, I thank you for your grace. It's what I need. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you for rising from the dead to give me new and everlasting life. I hear the promise of your word today that you offer this grace to me.
and I say yes. I bow before you as your beloved child and say, this one's yours. I'm yours. I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit so that when I fail, my faith will not. Let him return me to your grace again and again and again. so that you can make me the person I was meant to be. I pray this in Jesus' name, because right now, he's praying with me in my name. Amen.